The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall in turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We got an action-packed show with you tonight, uh, but before we uh, run down what we have on tap, let's say hi to the boys. Uh, Jason Orth and Brad Brown are back with us again. Jason, how's it going, man? It's, uh, what, 50, 60 degrees warmer than it was around this time uh, last Tuesday, so um, I'm very happy, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> Definitely cannot complain one bit in the weather factor here. It was a gorgeous day in Lincoln, Nebraska. Brad, how'd you spend your day? Uh, putting out fires, even though I'm not a fireman, but uh, that's what we all do at work. But the great, I think we've turned the corner. It's a nice day, beautiful day. We melted a lot of snow. I think that we're heading in the right direction as far as spring. So that's a, that's, that's a good time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, spring rolling around the corner, and that means we get some racing action here in the corner. We're stay here pretty soon. Uh, I can't wait till those those days where we can spend the night at the racetrack, guys. Yeah, I'm absolutely. really looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's it's a long time coming. I think I went to three races last year and probably watched 87 races on Flow and Duravision, but uh, that's just not the same as being there, and I can't wait to get back to the track. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of watching stuff on Flow, uh, we caught the uh, King of Thunder, uh, 360 sprint cars out there at Colorado Speedway in Hanford, California. We have that feature winner, Shane Gullibick, is going to be joining the program. Boys, did you uh, catch any of that, those races? I tried watching it. Uh, all the support classes, I fell asleep during like the uh, street stock. A feature, then I woke up just in time to see Shane take the checkered flags. Yeah, ditto. I, I was trying to watch it. I watched the heat races, and uh, out there in California, there are two hours difference from us here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it just got to be too long of a night. So, But I did watch the uh, the feature today on Flow. That's one of the great advantages of watching. I'm subscribing to Flow. You can watch the features anytime you want to, and uh, I watched the feature today. And, uh, yeah, uh, Shane Golubuk earned that race, and I uh, can't wait to talk to him about it. Yeah, I, I caught caught the tail end of it, caught a little bit, and um, you know, like again, I I I just don't stay up as late as I used to anymore. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it was it was a good finish, and and uh, glad to be having Shane on today. Yeah, definitely. It's you know that time difference is rough, and like you said, Jason, I don't stay up you know that late anymore. My daughter goes to bed about eight thirty, and that's about the time I want to go to bed nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then you wake up at 5.30 instead of uh, sleeping until noon like you used to. Yes, for sure. And, uh, yeah, definitely. So also on the on the program, we're going to be uh, talking the question of the week. I think this is a pretty cool segment I want to bring on board is just get a random question and, you know, have us kind of de- debate it, discuss it a little bit. And I stole this question from the uh, World Outlaws Facebook page, Twitter page, and their question was, what is the coolest World Outlaw moment that you witnessed in person? So, I know all three of us have been to a ton of outlaw races and uh, probably have some stories to tell. Maybe one or two. <laughs> yeah, to narrow it down to one or two is, is really hard. But, uh, yeah, there's that's why I love this sport. There's so many memories from watching it when I was a kid, uh, teenage years, to 
my adult years, it's there's so many, everything is usually different. And one time my wife asked me, why do you, I mean, there's always the same winners and so forth. Why do you go to these races? And I said, you know, every race is different. Sometimes the guy on the pole leads every lap and wins it going away. Sometimes they come from the back, sometimes from the middle. It's just, it's so unpredictable. And that's what is so fun to watch is you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You, that's, that's the key right there. You never know exactly what's going to happen. It could be a uninventable night. You know, the guy, you know, went on the pull of heat race, wins his heat race, you know, he wins the dash, wins it, wins the feature. And it wasn't very exciting, but then there's nights where it's one of those cowboy up racetracks and it's the best thing you ever saw in your entire life. So Definitely, I know that you know. With all the outlaw races, we definitely have some memories. Memories there, for sure. Yep. And, uh, and more to come. Yeah, definitely more to come. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, kicking thank off goodness. This, yeah, kicking off this podcast is definitely making some new ones there. So it's definitely been a good time, you know, chatting, hanging out with you boys. For sure. So uh, we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think it was last week where we would debated the uh, the whole Bristol invite thing, and those invites have been rolling out. Uh, they're kind of revealing, like maybe I, it looks like it's just a driver a day who's been invited. There's some guys who've uh, tweeted out that they were invited and declined. Terry McCarl is one of them. Uh, Brad, you mentioned Lance Deweese is one of those. Oh, I didn't see that Terry McCarl declined. I believe so. I, I believe Terry. They reached out to Terry and he declined going out there. I, or it could have been a fan saying that too. I, I don't really know. I, I unfollowed him for some reason, so uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't get his news anymore. So there you go. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, that um, it, it's. I, but yeah, I, I we can go on forever about Bristol, and it takes a, a huge motor, and it's just uh, not everybody is going to want to go run that race because it'll destroy your motor. And Terry McCarl doesn't have a bottomless pit for money in in his team, so. Um, that motor would be abused. So it, I'm not surprised by that. If, uh, if that in fact is uh, true that he declined it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but, but officially uh, the outlaws have been, you know, revealing their driver reveals. They, they kicked it off on a couple of days ago with Tyler Courtney has accepted the invite. I don't know if he's accepted it. Um, actually I'm reading it right now. It says sun, sun, sunshine and Clausen Marshall will be bringing the NOS energy drink. Turbo number seven BC to Bristol this April. So uh, Tyler Courtney's one of them. Uh, let's see here. We got. I'm a big fan of Tyler Courtney, and I'm becoming a bigger fan. The guy's got. He he's so impressive to be doing what he's doing in a wing sprint car with very limited experience. So I'm going to sit back and enjoy this ride because watching him grow and become a better wing sprint car driver is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I. I I'm a huge Tyler Courtney fan. I mean, ever since I met him a couple of years ago, I mean, I say a couple of years ago, it's more like five, six, seven years ago running a midget. And <laughs> he's definitely impressed me a lot, you know, and he's going to like, he's already adapting this wing car and he's going to be really fun to watch in this wing car. Right. Uh, no surprise. Rico Abreu has been invited by the outlaws to run Bristol. Uh, definitely not a surprise there. He's definitely one of the fan favorite cats out there. And uh, he's bringing along his, uh, his hired driver, the hired gun of the uh, the twenty four car, Jack Hotshield is going to be joining him, and they also announced that our buddy Paul Stawall, Paul McMahon is going to be joining joining them in Bristol. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's uh, I'm happy for Paul. I, I I can't wait to watch him work his magic there at Bristol. I'm happy for them both. I mean, I think it's great. Uh, uh, and you know, another great um, 
race for, you know, kind of uh, Hod's, you know, swan song year. And then to see, you know, another veteran like McMahon out there is it's just great. It kind of gives that link to the past. So I'm excited to see that they both accepted the invites for that. And I believe both those guys have ran that place before. So uh, they definitely have some laps around Bristol. Granted, it's a whole different track. You know, they laying down dirt and whatnot, taking it off and whatnot. But they, they have the experience out there. Yeah, I don't know how they survived uh, making all those laps behind uh, uh, behind Sammy Swindell and Sammy kicking up all that dust and so forth. Uh, I don't know how they survived, but they did it. But uh, that Sam- was an attempt at a joke right there. Is Sammy going to be there this year? Um, not that I'm aware of. They're supposedly going uh, – um, Johnny Gibson said that he's going to – in his list of 42 that he would invite if it was up to him – Sammy and the Swindell Speed Labs were in that list, but uh, uh, that's yet to be seen if uh, Sammy will be invited to that race. Let's be honest. Sammy doesn't like going that fast. He's scared of those fast places. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, he's as good as he's better than 95% of the people out there. But that's coming from a Sammy fan. Enough of that. Um, we'll see see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fun to watch them uh, reveal those drivers. Um, no surprises by any of the guys they announced already. So um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll be surprised by any of the guys they, they invite. No, I think it, everybody's going to have a have a you know a legitimate reason to be out there. And I don't think we're going to see too many questionable, you know, why did they invite this guy uh, type of invites coming. It, it'll all be, you know, to our point last week, it's, it's all going to be people who are, are worthy of being there and worthy of running that track and we'll put on a great show. Well, it'll be kind of interesting to see how far down the list they have to go. Um, we don't know how many drivers are going to invite, but there are going to be points races going on all over the country. Um, there's going to be, uh, I mean, the Pennsylvania guys are going to be busy in their own races and so forth. So will they give up that weekend to go down to Bristol to race at Bristol. It'll be interesting to see how far down the list they have to go, but you're right. They're, they're going to be worthy drivers to, to be invited to that race. Yeah. I can tell you that if uh, they reach out to any of us, they're stretching to get guys out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. So I wouldn't uh, trust myself in a push truck out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've ridden uh, ridden around Eagle Raceway with uh, Push Truck Mike a few times, and I think he would scare the living crap out of us, you know, rolling around Bristol. Well, in that high bank track, you just got to keep the speed up going into the corner. You'll be all right. (laughs) Uh, Some surprising news. Uh, I don't don't know if it's really surprising one bit, but uh, Jack Dover tweeted out and Facebooked out that uh, it sounds like Joe Kosicki over at I-80 Speedway is going to run, you know, five to six. Uh, 360 sprint car races out there with a point fund. So that's that's pretty big news for uh, the 360 guys here in the Corners Crew State. I think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, we all, we were really worried that uh, things were up in the air. A lot of the, you know, scuttlebutt and a lot of the chatter was that, you know, think it wasn't going to happen. And guys were going to be looking for a place to run or, you know, giving up or moving on and whatever. And it's nice that they've kind of now adopted their kind of unofficial home as a home. Um, you know, it's not quite the Nebraska 360 where, but they've got a point fund. They've got a reason to go out there. Um, obviously we'll have a great, um, you know, Joe will support them. I don't know how many standalone shows they'll run, you know, or headlining shows. So, you know, everybody be patient. There's going to be a lot of support classes to help support that thing, but 
it's better than no. I'll take a three sixties and four other sport classes than than no three sixties at all. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, if any of you listeners out there know Joe Kaziski, we reached out to him to try to get him on the show to kind of talk to him about uh, talk to him about this, but uh, uh, didn't get a response. So if any, any of you guys know him, uh, tell him to answer his dang messages and uh, get back to me and and uh, let's get him on the show and, and talk about it and get some hype about it. But uh, he's he's kind of got his work cut out for him because we've talked to a few drivers over the the last six months or so on this, on this podcast about uh, racing in Nebraska. And some of them are dropping their three sixties and buy them three Oh fives. And so I truly believe that he's going to have to pick the right weekend to get a full field of cars. And he's going to have to cooperate with South Dakota and the MSTS three sixties and probably even work on getting some of these Knoxville cars over here. But uh um, they got their work cut out there for them to try to get a full field of cars for these races. But man, I'm so excited that they're going to be out there. They usually put on a great show for the um, for the fans at, at IED Speedway, and I just hope it all works out for everybody and we can we can get a full field of cars with six races. And uh, I'll be there at all six of them if if there's any way possible. Now it's been a few years since I've been out to I eighty for for a weekly show, and I'm going to assume he's just going to schedule the three sixties on with this weekly program. They run Friday nights if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right, so yeah, so I would I could see you know if it pays well enough and whatnot, maybe some of those three sixties from Knoxville will come down there. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a shorter drive to go from Knoxville to, Knoxville to I eighty than it would be for Knoxville to Jackson. Yeah. I'd yeah, like by about it. half, by about half anyway. Yeah, it's you know it's really important too, and I and I think it's important that the three sixty guys also make sure you know if they want to keep racing, I would love to see. And I'm not saying that they don't, but definitely promoting themselves. Um, there's you know there's always got we I, we're at a, past a point I think where they have to. Um, they've got to start kind of encouraging people to come talking to their friends, promoting it up, talking it up. I uh, can't rely on Kaziski to do all the heavy lifting or else you're just going to end up with, you know, another 14, 15 car show. And, and yeah. eventually it'll go. I, that won't, I, I don't know. It might be enough, but I just don't see how, you know, six cars, six races of 14 or 15 cars, is gonna is gonna cut it now. I I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I know that isn't gonna cut it for a year. So he's he's hoping to have a full field each night. Yeah, for sure. And if any of those 360 drivers you know, need help promoting themselves or whatnot, the doors always open here for for the local guys. And you want to come on and talk about your program? By all means, you can reach out to any of us, and we'll we'll be glad to have you on. Absolutely. And and this is another prime example of how Joe Kaziski and the ID Speedway have bent over backwards to try to keep uh, keep 360 sprint car racing alive in Nebraska. If it was, I firm, firmly believe that if it wasn't for IED Speedway uh, and their efforts, uh, 360 racing would have died uh, uh, several years ago because probably the year after uh, Eagle got rid of the 360 class, um, we, we don't have a lot of cars. We, we and uh, without IED Speedway, we don't even have a lot of dates, and so um, I just think that Joe and them are trying everything they can to keep 360 racing alive. I know the uh, fall brawl is still on, and and uh, it's like September, I think it is, 
I, I just hope that the drivers and the fans support these six races or however many races we're going to have. And we keep this 360 racing alive in Nebraska as long as we can. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've always, yeah, I've always insisted that they needed, you know, one of the things that would help the 360s was to kind of have that, you know, home track sort of thing that, that kind of just that locus that they could um, kind of all gravitate to. And, Obviously, Iadi's providing that. And before, you know, people, oh, we should love to see him at Angle again. And I, I do like, you know, <laughs> that's a dead horse. It It isn't, you know, I, I tell you what, you can get 360 Eagle anytime you want. Uh, Tracks sale or you can rent it. And that's right. So um, just go find sponsors and then go f- pay the purse. And then, oh, maybe I need a support class. So, and, <laughs> Oh, I got to sell tickets and I got to advertise it. So it shows what kind of effort the Kaziskis are putting in just, just for this one class. And so the least I think fans could do is instead of, you know, I wish they were here. I wish they were there. Well, they're over there. Go, go support it. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not a 305 fan and I've never kept that a secret, um, but I don't blame um, Roger Hayden at all for dropping the 360s. Uh, he wasn't getting a full field of cars. They were costing a lot of money. Um, he, he had to do what he had to do to keep Eagle Raceway alive. And I have nothing against him for that. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to go to where the three sixties and the four tens are right now. And, uh, um, I'm glad that Joe's going to keep trying to keep the three sixties alive and, uh, at least another year at, in Nebraska. So I'll be there and, uh, grabbing a bucket of beers and sitting up in the stands and enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there for sure. I'm going to be down in the uh, infield slugging that camera around and uh, trying to capture these moments then preserve some of this uh, this 360 history here in, in Nebraska because <laughs> who knows, if this doesn't succeed, it might be the last of it. Yeah, I agree. So since we're on a 360 kick, let's uh, let's head out on to the West Coast and uh, check in with uh, Saturday night's King of Thunder. Is it King of Thunder or King of the Wings? I don't even know. I think it's King of Thunder. Uh, the King of Thunder 360 feature winner, uh, Shane Golubic, is going to be joining the program when we come back. So uh, hang tight, everybody. Yeah, you damn right. I got what happened out there. I'm fine. I just had to deal with my asshole uh, teammates. Steve Kent. Uh, well, they wasn't happy with me for crowding them, but shit, I want to win. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Pisser. Piece of shit. All that stupid-ass flagman. They got a dumb-ass flagman that can't see. A little bit behind Joey Ancona, and it's down to 1.1 seconds. Macedo hops the cushion over in turn number two. The door's open, and Shane Golovic slips by and takes the lead. Macedo shuffled back to second. Well, guys, joining us on uh, now on the phone is the winner out there at Colorado Speedway in Hanford, California, the King of Thunder 360 Sprint Cars, uh, driver of the uh, NOS Energy Drink number 17W from Matt Wood Racing. Carson, or not Carson Macedo, my bad. I just I just, heard, oh. just heard Carson on the on the uh, intro there, but uh, Shane Golubic has joined the program. Shane, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, no problem. We we uh, I saw that you were on Wing Nation earlier today, and uh, we don't want to have kind of a repeat and, and kind of asking the same questions, but some of them are going to be the same. And uh, obviously, uh, you starting off the year with a victory. How important is that to you and your team? Um, it's huge. Uh, you know, everybody strives to start off their year with a win and to be able to do that was good. Uh, we, uh, actually technically started our year in, in Tulsa with the, uh, the Matwood racing midgets. And, um, we just did not have a very good week. We had nothing really went right for us. We had some bad luck and, um, some little things out of our control happened that, 
kept us from having the results we wanted. So uh, we're just going to kind of wipe that out and, and say that we start the year uh, year off with the with the win and within the sprint car side. So um, definitely feels good to get the NOS Energy Drink Elk Grove Ford car in Victory Lane to start it off. Uh, um, you know, it's been it felt like so long since I got to race a sprint car. It felt good just to get back in, into the seat. And, um, yeah, to, to get a win and to have a good race and race with Carson Macedo and um, you know, some other guys that were out there is a pretty stout field for, uh, for just kind of a local 360 deal. And, uh, we had a lot of fun out there. Well, Shane, uh, your, your first lap, uh, kind of, kind of set the stage for the race. Uh, um, I watched it on flow racing and going into one on the green flag lap, uh, Joel Myers got all crossed up in, uh, in front of you in turn one. What was the pucker factor at that point? Uh, for me, I was like, holy buckets. But uh, for you, uh, you had a lot more on the line than I did. So what what was going through your mind at that point? Uh, yeah, definitely it was a little bit of a ragged start there. Uh, Joel, he, he was, uh, he's a young kid, and he's doing a great job. And, um, he had a lot of speed all night. And uh, I think it kind of just took us all by surprise how slick it kind of got in the slick spots at, at Hanford. And I think he just hummed it down in there and, um, got it turned sideways and couldn't quite, I mean, I guess he ended up catching it, but, um, I thought we were both going for a ride and I just did my best to kind of slow down and, and, uh, try to react to where he was going to end up and try to avoid him. And luckily we were all able to make it out of there and without a yellow even. And, um, it kind of wasn't the greatest start, obviously for me, fell back to, uh, I think we were like fourth down the back stretch and we were able to get back by, uh, Willie Croft. And I think it was one of the Carrick brothers, uh, pretty quick. And, uh, but through all that, Carson was able to just get right out in front. And, and that to me was like, man, that's, that's the one guy I was kind of worried about. And, uh, I knew he was starting behind us and the goal was to kind of just keep him behind us all race, not have to deal with him. But, um, yeah, the way that the race started, uh, didn't really go our way. And, um, it was kind of an uphill battle from there. So, so what's your mindset at that point? You wanted to keep Carson behind you and, and uh, Joel got crossed up, and so you're you're back to fourth before you even take a lap. Um, some people, I would assume, get deflated and like, well, shoot, I'm going to have to just ride this thing out and bring it home the best I can. But I'm sure you guys doing what you do, you're not happy with a fourth-place finish. So what was your mindset at that point to say, screw this, I'm going for the win and, and take off after um, Macedo? Um, yeah, you just kind of have to, uh, realize that it's a 30 lap race and, you know, you can't win it on the first lap, but you could definitely lose it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the way, uh, you know, the way it went was, um, it, I was pretty frustrated coming off of two going down the back stretch. Uh, I was still frustrated, but I was able to make a pretty good move in three and four to get back to second. And, uh, at that point I just, uh, figured, well, now I got 30 laps to try and pass Carson. He's the guy I got to beat. So, um, doesn't really make a difference if he's uh, behind me the whole race or in front. I got to beat him either way. So, um, yeah, you just try and stay, uh, you know, stay calm and uh, just keep doing what you do. And, um, you know, I knew our car was good. My my brother, Dustin, he's got a pretty good handle on this stuff now. And uh, our car was really good all night, um, especially in the dash. I felt really, really strong. So I knew we were going to be good. I um, wasn't real worried, but um, just uh, sometimes – you know, the, the race, the, if, if somebody gets out front and the race goes kind of nonstop, it, you might not have a, a good opportunity to make a move. So, um, luckily we had a couple cautions and, uh, you know, there was good two lanes of racing where, 
Um, I could kind of go where Carson wasn't and we were able to circle around the top of him um, early and take the lead. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I had planned to just uh, keep cruising and try and, uh, you know, lead the rest of the way. And um, I just felt, I didn't feel like I was making great speed on the top anymore. So I, I made a switch to get to the bottom and didn't hit it right. And Carson drove back around me and then I was back in square one. So it's just uh, a <laughs> 30, 30 lap race. You, you gotta, um, you know, you gotta make your moves when you, uh, when they are available, but at the same time, you have some time to, to try and make up for it. So um, we were able to end up on top and that's all that matters. And Shane, um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, California racing. I think, you know, so many people in Sprint Car World are so familiar with, you know, Pennsylvania and, and the group maybe around the Midwest, Knoxville, a lot of non-wings, you know, in the Indiana area and stuff like that. But talk to us about what it's like racing in California. It's, it, you know, known for the bull rings and it's a tight competition out there. I mean, what is what are some things that maybe sometimes, you know, as you get around the country, people forget about about California sprint car racing? Yeah, I think people uh, sleep on California guys uh, a little bit. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows the the big name California guys who move on, and you know the, the Kyle Larson's, the Ricos, the Brad Sweets, all the guys who you know came from California, but then you know went on and and now are just racing mainly in the Midwest and back east. But uh, I don't think people realize how hard it is to just win. Like if you just wanted the goats and Plasterville, if you're going on a Saturday night local show, three sixty deal. Um, it, it's not an easy thing to win. Like you're going to have to go, you're going to have to beat guys like Andy Forsberg, Sean Becker. Um, you're going to have a good crop of young guys that are going to be there. Uh, and then just guys who have raced there forever. Um, you know, the, the guys like Justin Sanders, he's been always really fast. And, um, you know, you got DJ Neto, you got the Selzy uh, brothers. Um, you got a lot of the people from down South. It's just every racetrack you go to, whether it's local race or SECT or King of the West, uh, it's no walk in the park and uh, there are guys who are capable of winning uh, pretty much anywhere in the country. They're, they're, they're there and they're uh, running at their uh, top level. So um, I think people just uh, don't quite realize, uh, you know, how, how tough it is to really win, win a race in California. Um, just a lot of good guys to try and beat. Yeah, definitely. I, I made my, I took my family out to Disneyland uh, last, last year. Oh, it's not last year. 2019 it was. So this this past year I, I is is null and void in my books due to the uh, whole pandemic thing. But 2019 uh I, I took my family down to Disneyland and I I made a trip out there to uh to Colorado Speedway uh for an SCCT uh race and the competition there was just amazing. You had guys uh Neto won that night, but Sanders and uh TK out there and uh, Colmacito and all those guys out there was is I think sprint car racing out in, uh, in California, out here in the Midwest, is just underrated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it you see it, you get glimpses of it. Uh, like when the outlaws come out, um, you know, there's guys who uh, are able to keep up and compete with the outlaws, and they come out to our our stomping ground. And you know, guys like like I already mentioned, Andy Forsberg. I mean, he's uh, in the past few times the outlaws have come to Plasterville, he's he's set quick time once. He's been in the dash and. Uh, probably both times or the last few times. And, you know, there are uh, guys out here that are competitive with the best in the world at, at the racetracks that they run every week. So, um, you know, obviously if you take a bunch of the California guys and throw them to Knoxville, they're going to struggle just like we all do. I, I struggled at Knoxville for uh, two straight years before we kind of started at least halfway figured out. So um, we just have so many, so much of a different style of racing out here with our, the way our tracks are. Um, 
it's it's hard for us to go back there and make any big uh big uh splashes kind of right off the bat but um when everybody comes out this way uh you kind of see the the california guys are able to compete and uh, i think you saw that too last year with the cs national guys the 360 guys came out and um, i think like they came to petaluma and the top three was uh andy forsberg myself and sean becker and it wasn't even a national guy in the top five i don't believe so um it's uh you know, we've got some pretty, uh, really, really, really strong teams out here, really good drivers. And, um, it, it is fun to, to, to race with them on a weekly basis. And you're, um, kind of always being challenged every week. Well, I think that 17W is making some waves out there as well. So, uh, you can't forget yourself. Uh, also, uh, the Carrick brothers, they're, they're, they're hitting their stride. They're, they're getting better and better every race as well. So, uh, um, it's fun to watch, uh, I haven't been to California to watch a sprint car race after I went to Ventura many, many years ago, but uh, it's fun to watch. Thank God for flow racing. We can watch you guys race on the weekends. And uh, if we can stay up that late, that is (laughs) a two hour difference is is a killer, but uh, yeah. So yeah, you guys, uh, yeah, you guys are definitely uh, are, are, uh, are, are, I can't even, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Sorry, but you, you guys are definitely a force when the visiting teams come into town. Yeah. And that's kind of something we take pride in, I guess, as California guys, we, we like to at least show that we can compete with those guys when they come out to our, uh, our home surf. So, um, it's kind of a bummer. They're not, uh, that, at least the outlaws aren't coming out here, uh, early in the year, hopefully by, uh, the fall, they'll come back out. Um, and everything will be okay with COVID and all that. But um, the uh, ASCS national guys are supposed to be coming in here next week for a couple weeks for two nights at Kern County and a night at uh, Keller and a night at Tulare. So that'll be four nights with the ASCS national guys. Uh, we'll go try and hit and uh, hopefully, you know, stand up for the California guys a little bit. Now I'm familiar with uh, Keller, obviously being out there and Tulare, but uh, with this Kern County Speedway, I've, I've never heard of it. What's, what's that race track like? Um, it's, it's a newer racetrack. Uh, it's built right alongside the Kern County Raceway Park, which is a pavement, uh, big pavement racetrack that they race like the k and West NASCAR series and the ARCA deal or whatever they call that now. Um, and so they have a really nice, uh, pavement facility. Um, but then right alongside they built a, a dirt track and it's, uh, it's just, it's not necessarily a small little racetrack. It's decent, decent in size, at least for the California standards. It's a little bit bigger than most of our bull rings, um, but it gets really wide and slick and racy. And uh, it's been around for a few years now. Um, and it's a really good racetrack. And, and the people who run that facility do an awesome job with promoting and uh, getting people to come out, um, at least obviously before COVID. Now they have other uh, uh, hoops they have to jump through to try and make it all work for the race teams, but, um, it is a really cool racetrack. It's, uh, it's down in the same general area. It's in Bakersfield down by, uh, down the same direction as Tulare and Hanford. So, um, we're excited to get out there. We've ran there a couple of times. Uh, I've won uh, a race there with the Tarleton's a couple of years ago and, uh, ran pretty good there and, uh, the, some other 410 races. So we're, we're excited to get back there with uh, 360 and, and with, uh, the, uh, best, uh, ASCS National 360 guys, they have uh, are all coming out, so it'll be cool. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned uh, the promoters having a hard time out there. Peter Murphy's one of those guys who, who's uh, a popular name that everybody has been hearing with, and he's been making a bunch of improvements to out there at at Hanford. And 
what what's kind of changed since I've been out there? I, I I know you mentioned on Wing Nation about the pit road, uh, the push off lane being being different. But what other facility uh, changes has has he made out there? Um, Peter, he, the, the list goes on and on. He's got, um, you know, he's done a lot of work and just little things as far as repainting the grandstand, painting all the walls, and uh, he there used to be kind of a, a goofy wall in the middle of the backstretch that held the scoreboard that kind of was just sitting out in the middle of the field off just beyond the racetrack. And he moved that. He saw that as a safety uh, issue. So he moved that and got a new scoreboard and um, just little things all, all around that all add up to make the place uh, a really nice, uh, cool facility to go to. And yeah, like I had mentioned, he's, he's rearranged the pit area to make it safer for, for teams and for fans both. And, um, it's uh it goes a long way like uh i know as far as the pit side um my uh year and a half old daughter goes to all the races and you know you 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 want the the pits to be as safe as possible so when when uh when teams see promoters and and track uh officials doing everything that they can to make things safer it really makes you want to go and support them uh even more because you know they're thinking about you and um, that's just what peter's uh peter's mo has been ever since i've known him he's uh always put on the Peter Murphy classic every year. And it's one of the coolest events, uh, every year. And he, he, he does so much for the entertainment value of, of what we do in this sport, um, that, you know, it makes it a really cool event that everybody can come out and he does cool things from, uh, you know, like pool shuffles and different sorts of, uh, formats to try and keep the fans entertained. And, you know, he's always thinking, he's always got an idea and he always puts them into, into play and he does a good job. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I know you mentioned the formats there. It was I heard Bobby Gerald on the uh, the PA during the uh, race last week or this weekend, saying that you know it was an eleven lap B feature, and that was just a random number Peter drew out of the random number generator. He had six lap heat races, which was a little different than than our typical ten that we have here in the in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. He's just thinking that you know he used to own his own teams and, and drive for other teams and. Um, you know, when, when it comes down to it, 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 a lot of times in a heat race, you'll see, you know, most of the moves are made within the last, or the first couple laps and, you know, then everybody kind of gets, you know, strung out and, and the last couple laps, nobody really makes any moves. And all you're really doing is just putting more time on your engines and, and your cars and providing more time for possible, you know, problems or, or crashes. And so he's, he sees that, um, if you make it a six lap heat race, uh, it makes, you know, the, the drivers try, a little harder on those six laps that they have. And, uh, you know, it, it saves some time on engines and helps the teams, um, as far as the cost of, of running your, uh, your engine, because I mean, every lap you put on it is one less that you can go until it, you know, blows up or it needs, uh, to be freshened. And so he's always thinking about the teams and thinking about how to make it better for everybody. Uh, you know, there's no reason to go run a 15 lap B main, um, you know, if, if, 11 will do, get the same job done and, and save some people some equipment so he's uh you know he's always got like i said he's always got ideas and, and he's not afraid to go try them and, and then the cool part is he right as soon as the race is over he walks around to every pit area and asks hey what can i do different or what did you like what did you not like uh you know he's always looking for feedback and then he adjusts accordingly every week which is uh pretty cool you can just feel the effort that he puts in every week yeah, that's really cool to have on a promoter go out there and, and do that. I know here at Eagle Raceway, Roger Hayden kind of does the same thing. 
after each night, he, he'll run around to the teams and, you know, I'll talk about the track, you know, conditions and whatnot. But before we let you go, we know you're going to run as many California races as you can. Are we going to see you out here in the Midwest at all this year? Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll be back uh, at least for, um, you know, a few Knoxville races. We've been the last few years, we've been kind of trying to um, work on our bigger track program and get out of California and try and learn as much as we can. And, and last year we were able to, to make a bunch of uh, headway on that. We were able to, to, uh, you know, have some pretty good runs at Knoxville at the 360 nationals and then the four, or I guess it wasn't the 410 nationals, but we, we were able to make the show there, which is kind of like almost making the nationals. So, um, we're going to try and head back there again, uh, a few times throughout the summer earlier, but, uh, you know, before the nationals to, uh, kind of just keep up, uh, with what we learned last year, try to keep learning and, um, that way we're, we're ready for the, the bigger races in, in the end of the summer. So, um, yeah, we'll be venturing out and, and it all kind of depends too on California. If, if tomorrow it, we get locked back down again completely, then there's no racing going on. Then we're going to have to make that decision to, to get out of California and go racing. Um, so it's just going to kind of all evolve with, uh, with the times and hopefully the, uh, COVID uh, stuff can kind of fizzle out a little bit and we can um, get back to racing. Yeah, definitely. You're going to bring one of those Matt Wood, Matt Wood midgets out, out when you come out this way? Yeah, for sure. We're, uh, we, Matt uh, and I both, we love racing midgets and uh, getting out and um, competing against the USAC national guys. Uh, I'm sure we'll go do midget week again. We kind of do that every year. Uh, at least the last four or five years we've done all of midget week. Um, and, uh, we'll, so we'll do that again. Um, and then Matt's going to be promoting a new race at the, at Houston's for, uh, the USAC national sprint cars and USAC national midgets called the USAC nationals. And, um, we'll be there with a midget or two. And, uh, so that'll be fun. Get to get back to Houston's. We got to race there a handful of times last year with the wing car. So it'll be cool to try that out in a midget. And I'm sure we'll end up hitting Houston's here and there on Sundays, um, throughout the, throughout the uh, summer too. So, um, it's just going to kind of be a week by week thing. Everybody always asks for our schedule. And honestly, we don't always know our schedule till about uh, a week or two before, uh, the event happens. So, uh, we just kind of take a week by week and, uh, see where we can go and, uh, try and compete and, and make some money so we can make our living. Yeah, definitely. I believe the first time I saw you race was a midget back in uh, 2010 at Butler County Speedway with the power eye midget. So, we definitely like having oh, you come. Throwback, yeah. yeah I, I, I pulled up. I'm a photographer, and I pulled up some of the old photos. So I have you tagged in, and I think that's the very first yeah. ones I, I've gotten back in a white 26 car. Yeah, Doug Box 26. Yeah, that was those were good times. Butler County, that was a pretty cool little racetrack, if I remember right. Yeah, a little one-third high-banked high uh, racetrack. Unfortunately, it's no longer active right now, and some farmers It's a cornfield it. right now. <laughs> oh, man, that's a bummer. I, I think that place was super, super rough and choppy when we were there. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, I think, that. uh, I think Brian Clausen won that night too, if I remember right. Yeah. Probably chances are probably pretty good. He, yep. he won a lot of races. So. Yep, yeah. I, I just, I scrolled yep. through the victory lane photos and yeah, I remember Brian won that night. So definitely I want to thank you for well, jumping on with, Oh, go ahead, Brad. Well, I just wanted to put this out there that there is a three day, uh, midget race in Fairbury, Nebraska, which is in South central Nebraska. Uh, so if your calendar's open, we, we'd love to have you in Fairbury for a three-day USAC uh, midget race. So, when is, what, what month is that? Or what are the dates on that? Uh, I believe it's June. Let me pull that real quick. Oh, 
you're <laughs> putting us on the spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. A good podcast would a good podcast would have that date. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to end up having a midget or two kind of sitting in a shop back there in the Midwest, and maybe we'll be able to kind of head back there and, and take it out for a weekend or two and uh, hopefully – you know, just have it there available to go hit any races. So, yeah, I mean, the more races we can get in in a short amount of time, like the back-to-back weekends are always good for us. That's an interesting point. Uh, so you have a, a shop here in the Midwest uh, when you come out this direction just to kind of call it a home base? Um. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, we basically just kind of uh, drive a trailer out with, with a set, set out there. Um, no. because, you know, being, being in California, it's, uh, it's like, I always say we're racing kind of on an Island out here it, from, you, you can, you can race 50 times a year or more in California if you wanted, but to get out of California, uh, you gotta go to, I mean, the closest is Arizona and there's not a ton of racing there. Um, but to get all the way back to, you know, the Midwest and Knoxville and all that, it's 24 hour drive. And, um, you know, it, it just gets hard to go back and forth and back and forth. So we try to figure out a, a way to kind of leave a car back there to where we can, uh, just kind of fly back and forth and, um, and race, uh, you know, a weekend if we see one where, you know, it makes sense logistically to get back there and, and race a few nights in a row and then come home, um, rather than trying to drive 24 hours back and forth with the family and the, and the toter home and all that. So, yeah, we're just uh, kind of, like I said, we don't know where we're going uh, until, you know, a week or two before. Well, July 15th through the 17th is that race. So uh, put it on your calendars because we would love to have you out here. There we go. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Shane, I want to thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, best of luck this season. Like I said, hopefully we'll see you out here in the Midwest. If not, we'll definitely see you at Knoxville coming up here later on this season. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Thanks Shane. Shane. All right, that was Shane Golubic. Uh Look at me muffle that uh, – that intro, I, I blame Bobby Gerald on that one, you know, with that little replay, uh, that little replay I had to throw in there. And, you know, he's, oh, Macedo, no. And that oh, Macedo's in my mind there. So, uh, Bobby Gerald, I'm blaming you for that one. Not, my, not the lack of podcasting skills that I have. <laughs> yeah, what an insult to Shane Golubic. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, he cashed that check on Monday morning. So, uh, he's, he he's, sure the one, he's, he's the one laughing in the bank right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and... If you guys are subscribed to Flow, go back and watch that race. Uh, there were a couple, uh, like three or four cautions, but uh, still it was a pretty good race. And, uh, um, Macedo went off the backside of the track in one and two and gave Shane the, the lead. But, uh, um, Cole, uh, Carson tried to come back, but he just couldn't get the job done. Yeah, definitely. I, I suggest you go watch that that whole night. I mean, obviously, we're sprint car guys here, so you can fast forward through all the stock car crap. But uh, they had uh, 305s out, race saver 305s out there. And uh, a lady, a young lady that uh, won a lot of people's, uh, got, well, I shouldn't say won a lot of people's, but got a, little, a lot of people's attention here at the uh, race saver nationals a few years ago. Brooklyn Holland won that 305 feature. So so uh, that that's pretty cool. I mean, I met her, what, two Two years ago, I think it was. Yeah, and, two years, yeah. And, and yeah. she definitely turned a lot of heads running that 305 there at the uh, Race Saber Nationals. Absolutely. It's a, it, you know, and, and I think the 305s are best on the small tracks, and it's a great place for them. Yeah, Brad wouldn't know anything about that, though. He's all about that 360 life. But I do agree they belong on the short tracks. Uh, um, half miles, it's just not yeah. cut out for a yeah. half-mile race track. Yeah. 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 No, no offense to the uh, the uh pro crate whatever they're calling them at knoxville now <laughs> but yeah 305 needs to be ran on a 3 8 or smaller racetrack 
Yeah, it you know it's it's like keeping the momentum up and and things like that. And I and I think they've you know grown grown uh, a bit here, and they're able to kind of throw in the corner a little bit. And even though it's different for the driver, it's it's very similar, I think, to the to the fans. So yeah, yeah. anyway, we've had that discussion. Yeah, we we've definitely been down that road once or twice before. Beat that horse, <laughs> and uh, we'll continue to be that horse till we get Brad out there. Oh yeah, raceway. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Hey, I'm dragging you out there, bud. We're we're going racing this year. This COVID thing is getting kicked in the ass, and we're we're going racing. That's all. Hey, I'm immune. In you two are. more weeks, I'm immune. You're one of those lucky bastards, aren't you? Oh, show. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with a question of the week. What is your favorite World Outlaw memory that you witnessed in person?
All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, Brad's over there shaking his head. What the hell is this? Well, this was a, uh, you're not going to know the name, but it's Brandon Smith, a former Lincoln star. He uh, he, he moved back home to California after his, his playing days and uh, started a music career. So he, he put out his new single from Soundhoose, and uh, the, the track is called Psycho. I figured, you know, what the hell, I'll give some uh, Stars Pub and uh, play one of his tracks, you know, during our, our musical break here. So did you guys, did you say start a career or trying to... Uh... Uh, I don't even know what the fuck I said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe this is his first album, but he's always been into music, and uh, he went to school up in Minnesota for for like sound design, so all the uh, the sound effects and uh, what they call foliage with like you know the sounds of people walking, and you know if you rip a piece of paper like in movies, he went mm-hmm. to he went to school for all that sort of stuff. So uh, he's back home in California now, launching. You know, just playing music with his band and uh, doing a uh, record producing, basically. So he has his own big old studio that that uh, you can come in there, rent out, and record record some tracks, lay lay down some beats, as the kids would say. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I know, I know, it's not your cup of tea, but you know, being the hockey guy that I am, and being that he's a former Lincoln Star, I I figured, what the hell, I'll th- I'll throw it in there. So, uh. It's one of those one one rare times that we have permission from the uh, music creator to actually use their music in our in our podcast. <laughs> no copyright strikes. <laughs> Not this time, boys. All right, moving on. Question of the week: What is the coolest world outlaw memory event or anything like that you've seen? Uh, let's see here. Uh, I got I got a few. I'm going to start off. You know, my very uh, this wasn't the coolest world outlaw thing, but. It, but it, it, I think it's a cool story. So the very first uh, outlaw race I went to was at IEDC Speedway in September of two two thousand, I believe it was. It was the night right after Jeff Shepard won his first uh, World Outlaw feature, which they're now counting prelims as feature wins. So uh, Jeff, they should be doing. They should have been yes, doing. Yes, definitely, absolutely. So uh, to me, it was it's a big memory, not only because it's my first outlaw race, but. Uh, my buddy James and I, it was it was a beautiful seventy degree day. Uh, we we go we went golfing that afternoon, and you know we're sitting back drinking a couple beers and having a good time playing some golf. We didn't do very good, but uh, we figured out what the hell else is there to do tonight. Well, the outlaws are in town, so we get done golfing, clubs in the back of the car, and we drive out to IED Speedway. Little below, little did we know that uh, the temperature would drop down to thirty two degrees that night. So we're out there in shorts and golf t-shirts, freezing Ooh. our nuts off. The uh, the uh, souvenir trailer made some money off of us off of us <laughs> that night because we were buying every hoodie we could find. I remember that night, and we were my daughter and I were out there, and we were freezing our butts off. And we went to the t-shirt trailers and found anything that was warm. Yep. And my, I, I bought my daughter something, and I bought a Terry McCarl sweatshirt that turned out to be one of my favorite until you, about three you, months ago. Then yeah. I threw that something away. <laughs> Do you um, still have that? <laughs> I threw it away about two or three months ago. But, yeah, I couldn't believe how cold it got in in, in the middle of summer. And so, yeah, the T-shirt trailers were going crazy selling sweatshirts and, and, and stuff just to try to keep the fans warm. I seem to recall. gold mine. Yeah, I recall. I think they had like sweatpants, and I saw some dude, big dude, with like pink women's sweatpants oh, yeah. on because <laughs> it was just that cold. It got cold, and it was. I mean, no, living in Nebraska, we should know better. But 
Hell, we were fucking stupid. <laughs> well, I bought that sweatshirt for like 20, 25 bucks, and, and I loved it. But due to recent developments, I don't, <laughs> don't love, love it anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that, that night was actually uh, – it was a TNN race. And I, I want to say Mark Kenster won that night, maybe? It was Mark time. or Sammy, one of the two. Sammy. No, I, I couldn't tell you. But, no, it was a good time. I mean, that was the my first official World Outlaw race. I've been to a gum out race at Eagle the year before, and I, not knowing anything about sprint cars, like I said, that was, that was about the years that I, I started getting into sprint cars. We went to that gum out race and thinking we're going to see Steve Kenzer and shit, and I was disappointed when he wasn't there. <laughs> when when you saw Craig yeah, Delansky that. win that race. I believe it was Jeff Shepard. Jeff Shepard. Jeff Shepard. Yeah, Jeff Shepard. Oh, really? And that's, and that's mm-hmm. how I became a Jeff Shepard fan. So I was, He I was broke ex- the track record that night, too. Yeah, no. I, I was ecstatic to see Jeff win that that uh, prelim with the with the big boys, the Pennzoil World Outlaw series out there. <laughs> Jason, you want to go or no? I'll let oh, you go. No, yeah, Jason, your story <laughs> needs to be the last story. <laughs> well, I, I have some more, so but uh, and I, I got some I could tell, but I I I don't want to tell them in public. Hey, statute okay. of limitations have expired <laughs> on ninety percent of those. <laughs> okay, for me. Um, there were two races that uh, solidified my decision on why I am not going to be a sprint car driver other than the fact that I have no talent. Um, and and, and the, these statistics are thanks to Eric Arnold, the statistician, the statistician, the Mr. Know-it-all at Knoxville Raceway. Uh, he gave me some information for this uh, story. So I really appreciate Eric uh, Arnold for for uh, helping out here. But uh, on August 16th of 1985, we were at Knoxville Raceway for the Knoxville Nationals. And it was the, um, it was the race of states. And what they did back then is Knoxville put in, in a hat, everybody from the state of Tennessee, and they drew out a name. And that person represented that state for the race of states on uh, Friday night. Well, in this race, Max Dumpsney from Australia uh, was racing with Doug Wolfgang from South Dakota. Okay. Hey, Australia is not a state. Well, in this case, <laughs> it was represented. Same with Canada, same with uh, um, whatever other countries and continents. And yeah, I, I know where you're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> but they put on one hell of a show. Um Max Dumpsney was the leader, and and Doug Wolfgang in the Weikert Livestocks 29 did everything he could to try to get by Max to win that race. Uh, They were doing sliders like you've never seen before, and and they pale in comparison to the USAC midget sliders right now. It was unbelievable, that race. And after that race, I decided that is exactly why I am not going to be a sprint car driver. I don't have the balls to do that. Max Dumpson, beat Doug Wolfking that night. And uh, um, according to Eric Arnold, that was the first night that uh, an Aussie ever won a race in Knoxville. And the very next race was a mystery feature, and Canadian Tim G won uh, that, that race. But uh, that mystery feature will always stand out in my mind as, as, as the reason why I chose not to be a race car driver, among many other reasons. I, I couldn't do what those guys were doing, and it it just the crowd was in awe of what they they did they displayed that night. 
So uh, I wasn't around during the uh, racist states or anything like that, but what, what was a mystery feature? The mystery feature is they put all the cars, um, everybody that qualified for Saturday night into a hat and they just drew names. Hey, uh, Brandon Anderson, you're, you made the mystery feature. Hell you know, yeah, the song, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Then they would draw on the next name. Hey, mm-hmm. Jason North, congratulations. You're on the outside front row until they had 24 cars. And so back then, everybody participated. Some of them had backup cards. And in fact, Doug Wolfgang in that night when he run, um, run the race of states, he used a backup car from the Weicker Livestock um, stable to, to run that race because he didn't want to crash his his main car. But uh, yeah, th- those were great races. Uh, um, and you could be in the on, on the back uh, of, of the grandstands having a couple beers and you could hear him on the radio or over the announcer's booth. All right, we're drawn for the racist or the mystery feature and drawing number one. Congratulations. And, and, and the crowd would go crazy when somebody, the right driver was announced. And that was, that was yesteryear and it was so much fun, but that's, that's a race that I decided that I can't be a race car driver. Yeah. You mentioned Eric Arnold help you out with this, uh, this, uh, stats and whatnot eric also hosts a podcast the dirt at knoxville so if anybody is still uh looking for uh some racing content to partake in make sure you check out his podcast he's one of the small time podcasts just like just like we are so uh any any help that we can get you know them off the ground he helps us get off the ground a little bit so maybe you can compete with the big boys one day yeah definitely it's it's always good to support everybody in the in the podcasting realm. All right, well, Jason. BA, we need- All right. Or, I, oh, yeah, yeah. let's go with Jason. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to go from one of my coolest to my most outrageous. All right. So <laughs> at all. And I, I will fully confess that it is possible. It is literally possible that I am just combining several years worth of outlaw experiences <laughs> into one memory. But, um, I will. I'll still tell it, and their way. I guess maybe I get three stories for one or something like that. So, well, you, you can tell. You can tell one of them because I got some other ones too. Because I can tell the one where I wound up in Platt, Platt, uh, Smith <laughs> County Jail. So I can tell that one. Say, so, yeah, I. It was about about that same time frame. Um, I got so, one more too. So yeah. So anyway, we was uh, this was about two thousand two ish that that's when uh, mine happened <laughs> yeah it was um but it was I, i'm trying to remember it was 2001 it was a night hot, hot and shield one and i think he swept the weekend and um so i'll start with the, like the coolest uh, so first of all all right l- let me step back if any of you remember ted johnson you know the founder president grand poobah Creator of the World Outlaws, um, Ted was a, uh, I will say, rather abrasive personality. <laughs> he, he had it yet, you know, he he had his way of doing things, and that's what made him a success. But um, he could be very, uh, I'll just say, difficult to deal with. And um, you got to do the impression. No. <laughs> and uh, no, that's no, that, that would come off of speaking a little dead. And I, I, I don't want to do that's not where I'm going with this. So, but he, you know, it, that again, that's just what that's just Ted. And everybody's got a story about Ted. So, anyway, um, so a lot of times with Ted, if there was a cloud in the sky anywhere near the racetrack, 
uh, he would say if there's rain coming and we, you know, have to run the show through and off and get his guys off and out the door and everything like that, which I understand most of the time it wasn't an issue, although we did have some rain outs during the time. So I, I get it. Um, but it was one of those things where you were always fighting it. So if there's a cloud. Well, there's rain coming. There's rain coming. Hurry it up. Hurry it up. You need to hear him on the radio going on. So we were going on that night and there were some storms off in the distance and they were not going anywhere. Uh, they were going well in the north of us. And Ted's pushing us, pushing us, pushing us to get done. And, and we're kind of pushed back. Like, you know, we got, this was early in the internet. So we got the radar. We could see everything. Nothing was going on. So I watched that race and we had, um, it was a terrific A feature final night. And uh, Hodden Shield, I think Jason Sides was in that hunt. Donnie Schatz was in it. It's slide jobs of plenty. A great night. I remember playing music that night and uh, I cranked up some Metallica during Yellow Flag. I remember seeing a guy who was in his, he must have been like a priest, like an acolyte or something, you know, going through seminary school or whatever. So he had all his, you know, his collar and the the robe and all that stuff. That was me and I cranked that up, night. <laughs> well, he was with other guys at work. So he had, he, I don't know if he was, I don't think he was. It looked like he had a soft drink in his hand. But all I know is I turned up some Metallica. It was whiskey in the jar. And I cranked it up because we're going. It's like we had the 100,000 watts, like, we're throwing out all the stops. We didn't care. Cranked up the sound. I caught the guy. He stood up on the step on the chair and started just head banging all the way down the deal. So he's head banging in his priestly outfit. So that was a great race and all that. So when we get done. Uh, Rick Allen, form, you know, as known as Rick Schweiger, was sitting in the lounge and um, Rick goes, so Jason, he goes, is that rain coming? He's imitating Ted. And so um i decided to mock ted <laughs> and <laughs> and deliver my best impression of ted about rain coming and taking it out a long long way then rick looks at me and he smiles and it's this shit-eating grin and he looks over in the corner and who's sitting in the corner but old ted johnson <laughs> <laughs> counting money under the air conditioning <laughs> and i i'm like red-faced just gone and like you know what i'm i'm like man i'm gonna have to explain this to cormac tomorrow or tonight or whatever it was so i, I just kind of smiled everybody starts laughing i don't think he even noticed i really don't and so he's i'm laughing so i just turn over and, and at the end of the night you could get in the vip room we could all get like beer whatever's left in the in the keg so i just like you know at this point i'm getting beer and i'm getting out of here before i say something else and so I get the beer, I'm drinking, we're drinking, we're drinking. Um, a certain guy shows up with moonshine. And if you know any of the uh, stories about Alabama boys and moonshine, uh, great stuff. I get my beer and he comes and goes, want some more moonshine? And I've been drinking some already, so I'm pretty loaded at this point. And I'm like, well, I ain't got anywhere to put this stuff. So he puts in my beer. So I'll, I guess I'll just call it an Alabama Boilermaker. And I throw that thing down. And I'm, it's, it's pretty bad by now. We're getting pretty late. So I got to go. And I, it's so bad. I can't make it up to the bathroom. We're clear down, you know, over kind of by the front gate. And there's so a like, porta potty it. there by the front gate. Nah, not then there wasn't. <laughs> now there is. Yeah. Now there yeah. is. Thanks, but, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you why. And so I go down and I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. 
So I go around. There's the World of Outlaw trailer, the T-shirt, the headquarters. I thought it was the office up front. That just where they, you know, store T-shirts or did their thing or sat there to cool off. I go around the other side. The window's open. I started just relieving myself right out there. And I'm like, now it's raining out, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and so I'm going on, it's rain, rain. So I'm swearing, it's rain, rain. I walk back in front. And I think it was Cormac goes, you know, Ted's sleeping in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yep. Let me tell you what else happened. <laughs> and, and everybody was laughing. And I just said, well, I, whatever it is, I'll apologize. And he's like, ah. Yeah, but nobody knows, nobody cares. So that was my um that was my most uh, outrageous moment. So I I, I'm yeah. that's that same year, that same that same night, same race, I'm blaming you for uh, me going to jail, I guess, because you put Craig in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was that same the same race, same night. Uh I go out there, uh set up a tent down down in yonder in ten, Tenor's row down there in, in the back, uh back um back 40 i guess out by the pond out there at eagle and uh we bring our cooler and i from experience i know eagle selling 16 ounce tall boys bud lights so what do i pack my cooler with 16 ounce tall boy bud lights so i didn't buy a single beer at the racetrack tonight but i drank a shit ton at the racetrack so after every heat race or whatever i run out to the car to the camp to the campsite grab a couple beers stick them in my pockets come back in so by the end of the night, I am shit faced. I mean, I am completely hammered. Uh, go around, make my ra- rounds, uh, see some drivers. Had Billy Alley sit on my t shirt that night. Uh, so we're leaving, and uh, what what World Outlaw fan or sprint car fan doesn't leave a World Outlaw race without a tire? So I got my tire. Threw it on top of the old Cavalier because me being the smart guy that I am, I went down to the campsite, pulled my uh, Cavalier up to the uh, the pit gate. So it's right there So I'm, when I'm ready to leave. So we throw that tire up there, pile a bunch of people in the, in the car. And uh, mind you, the, the parking lot's pretty empty at the time. But who parks their car right out front? None other than the owner of the racetrack, Craig Cormack. So I jump in the car, Cavalier and... Thought this would be a good time to whip some shitters out in the parking lot. <laughs> so throw that son of a bitch and drive, you know, front wheel drive, go around the corner, pull that e-brake, and start slinging rocks. So, well, I pulled the side of Craig's car a few times with rocks. Granted, I, I, I still plead that I wasn't going fast enough to throw rocks, but since Jason already pissed off Craig with his uh, pissing all over the World Outlaw trailer, Craig's in a pissed off mood. I get back to the campsite and, and park, and uh, I here comes the uh, the old state patrol rolling up, and uh, they were cool. Told me, you know, hey, you gotta you gotta leave and whatnot, and I'm like, all right, you know, let me tear down my my tent and whatnot, and we'll we'll get the hell out of here. Well, me being not the soberest person out there, fell over into my tent, and uh, it wasn't Craig Cormack. I, I it was Craig. Uh, what was the gentleman? It wasn't Shannon at the time, but it was Craig uh, Widener. Yeah, Craig Widener was there, and he saw me fall over the ra- uh, all into my tent, and he had enough, and he's like, "Get him out of here." Well, I get cuffed and stuffed into a sheriff car. 
thinking, all right, no, not bad. I'm going to Lincoln. Wrong. I went to Plattsmith. <laughs> Wrong For, county. Forgetting Eagle Raceway is not in Lancaster County. So I go to Plattsmith. Spend the weekend in jail. Monday rolls around. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to see my judge and get, get the hell out of here. Well, Monday rolls around. Nothing. Tuesday rolls around. Nothing. Finally, I get a sympathetic, a sympathetic guard at the uh, at the at I'll the county bailiff or whatever yeah, at the county jail. I'm yes. like, hey, I haven't yeah. fucking seen a judge here. I need to get the fuck out of here. Well, he goes, you haven't seen a judge. What the hell? So he went and actually checked on shit for me. So I got released. Signed, signed a little piece of paper saying I'll come back for my court date. Well, my car got towed to Lincoln. <laughs> not, not <laughs> so i'm thinking how the hell am i gonna get home not only did i uh get thrown in jail but uh i was also working for craig at burger king at the time i lost my job that weekend too so uh then i got banned from eagle raceway thankfully roger hayden savior that he is bought the racetrack and i'm back in bitches <laughs> <laughs> well I had a second uh, story, but I'm kind of ashamed of my story, so I'm not even going to go there. No, yeah, by by all means, share your second story because uh, I, got, I got one more after it, and this is not reflecting. This is actually a cool memory, uh, not uh, a, a memory of shame that, that I'll share with well, the next one. My second uh, story happened there at Eagle Raceway as well, and, and it once again confirmed my – decision on why I am not going to be a race car driver. Um, it was a, a dash race and it, it was between Andy Hillenberg and the black number two. And I want to say it was either Mark Kinzer or um, Stevie Smith, but they put on a dash race. Like I've never seen before and they were sliding each other. They were, it was, it was an amazing race. And then coming out of four, they get about to the finish line and they all lock their brakes and they, they slid across the finish line and everybody in the stands was like, what the hell just happened? Nobody wanted to win that race. Well, the track conditions were in um, such a, uh, a way that you did not want to start on the pole. The, the fast lane was on the outside. And so I, I don't even remember which driver was leading, but say Andy Hillenberg come out of, out of four in the lead and he realized that he did not want to win this race. So he locked the brakes and then Mark Kinzer or Stevie Smith locked the brakes a little late and slid across the line. And that allowed Andy Hillenberg to start on the front row outside in the feature. And right then just, just the slide jobs alone. I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are crazy. And then for them to be able to think, past this race into the A feature and decide that I do not want to win this race so I can start on the outside front row for the feature. That was way, way out of my, I don't know. I, I could not imagine thinking like that in a race car. And, uh, and that was the second race that I decided I'm going to sit my ass in the stands, drink a few beers and enjoy the show. Yeah. I remember that at Ted, was pissed I bet when he so. saw that. He grabbed the radio, and I, I don't know if it was Rick Ferkel or Bobby Jackson was the um, was the race director at that time. He was pissed, and he wanted to put them both to the back. 
And, um, but Bobby's like, you know, that's the game they've done that. They've been doing this. This was kind of the, this was like the, the most extreme scenario of it, but it sounded like they had been doing that a little bit that guys were letting off. Uh So I remember, oh man, he was, he was hot and he was ready to go down there. Cause, and I'm going to give him this. He said, the fans don't come out here to watch those bleep bleeping drivers after i just swore before those drivers 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 playing games yeah and that's you know and i i i get it and that was that was the thing but yeah i remember that night he was cheesed and and we were kind of all sitting up there in the scoring tower like what what just happened down yeah, there exactly <laughs> and that's what their fans were like what the hell nobody wanted to win and they literally and it was close yeah it was super close finish too because that was the other problem was it looked like one guy had won, but at the flag stand, That's not but the, the timing, is. the timing was at the pole was that it was right. about 10 feet down. Right. And so it looked totally different. And that was, that was the other mess. And and it was amazing that everybody locked their brakes. The, the sound of the motors backed way off and, and everybody was like, why would you not want to win? And then it was obvious after, after the finish that, you didn't want to start on the pole because there was no racetrack on the bottom side. Oh, that was nuts. Yeah, I remember that night too. Blitz. But there's about that's a thousand crazy. more stories. Joe, that's been your answer every time I tell That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we put out uh a link on on a tweet out on uh Twitter about asking this question and to call in and uh and share your favorite moment with us. So if you, you want to call in, once again, if you want to call in, leave any sort of comments or anything like that about the show, feel free to give us a call. It's 402-937-9003. We had one guy call in. Uh, Josh uh, gave us a call and uh, wanted to share his favorite outlaw moment. This is Josh from Lincoln. Um, I saw on your uh, Twitter page that you said something about your favorite outlaw moment. Uh, in person, when the year I went to the Knoxville Nationals, come walking out of turn two towards the old uh, car wash, and lo and behold, there was a guy getting power washed, butt naked, in the in the car wash. And the funniest moment was he kept yelling at the guy, stop making it too cold. And that was probably my funniest <laughs> moment. <laughs> fucking knoxville man what is going on at wow. that place man back in the day it used to be the 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 old heyday you know bus races wet t-shirt contest and apparently some uh naked guy in the power washer uh complained the water's too cold oh i can tell you stories uh the 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 bus ride on this on the main strip uh, everybody gets they go out to the campgrounds and steal lawn chairs and set them up in rows like a bus and you, you rode the bus for a while. And, oh, there were so many stories we could go with, uh, but uh, that's pretty funny right there. Definitely. My my favorite on-track moment was uh, just a couple years ago, um, maybe 2011, maybe? 12? No, it's, it's, it's later than that. Uh, this young kid from California shows up in a uh, Ricky Stenhouse machine, uh, some kid named Kyle Larson, and it was right around the time when Joey was driving that car, and, and there's rumors going around the pits that mm-hmm. – if uh, Kyle does good and beats Joey, Joey's out of this ride. And uh, who won that night? That kid, Kyle Larson, man. He he put on a hell of a show. By far, is one of the best feature races I've seen in person with the World Outlaw event. And th- it solidified that that kid is a 100% badass. Absolutely one of the best races I have ever, ever watched the Raceway. 
and uh 2018 and uh yeah to 18 not 11 well mm-hmm. oh. yeah because i was uh i was talking to uh guy at speedway and they they didn't have any they just showed up they didn't have enough gears they didn't have uh spares they had to run over speedway and get a bunch of spares for the car that night and it made me feel bad because i've been a joey saldana fan oh, i'm a huge joey fan joey's huge one of favorite um, I, drivers. when i was a kid uh you know joey's grandpa papa joe used to sit next to me on the uh, hood of the suburban the backstretch midwest speedway in the pits uh joe uh, you know little joe fan and it was that night you know it's like I said pretty much solidified uh that you know joey was was gonna and i think he lost that ride what next day or day after yeah that. not soon it after was, that jack honshill took over that ride mm-hmm. just well and what, what's more what's more impressive about that is that car was a bent car uh joey bent that car earlier in the year week or two three weeks before that race um that motor was a old tired motor and they just threw it all together. And like you said, got some couple of spare parts just to make it hit the track. And Kyle put on one hell of a display. And yeah, that was, that was doom for Joyce Aldana after that race. Uh, it was, it was over at that point. I mean, to be fair, can you really com- compare Joyce Aldana to Kyle Larson? I mean, well, with a tired motor, that and a car, yeah. yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now Joey's still one of my favorite drivers out there. He still can make a, a make a car go around, but he's no Kyle Larson. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, there's one more, um, probably one of the more exciting races I ever watched out there was actually one I I was at Eagle and never watched the race on the track, and it was uh, I was writing for the Journal Star and I was doing the race recap for the Journal Star, and we were really under we were under the gun for rain that that night it was it was getting close and so i watched it they were um televising it so i was watching the dirt vision feed and i was watching it from inside the production and so because that's where that was the only place where i could get decent internet so i actually watched the race it was going on behind me but i'm actually watching on the monitors and it was the night that uh donnie shots i think at the time set the record for winning an outlaw race from the furthest back. He started 17th uh, to win that, to win that race. And I think that was one of the more exciting races I'd ever, I had ever watched. He, he had a couple yellows and I think a red or two you know, made his way up there, but that was probably one of the most uh, fun races I ever watched. And I'm not a huge shots fan, but it was, it was fun to watch him work his way up through the top. Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure is that uh, it seems that Eagle raceway produces a lot of e- uh, world outlaw moments that uh, we all favor. We need them back. You can rent the track, buddy. <laughs> Not on my paycheck, I can't. Yeah, it is. It was a. F- I I think you know ever since you know the Beecham's brought them out there in the in the eighties, and became such a, a staple. I mean. You know, between the eighties and early nineties, and not not saying that it wasn't later, but that was one of the big events. And that's you know, it's it, to go reminisce about what sprint car racing means in Lincoln. That was one of the biggest events going around, you know, outside of football games and th- and things like that. Just in the summertime, was the World of Outlaws at Eagle. I mean, you could go, you had to go like get your tickets at like where Miller and Payne or something like that department stores to go get the tickets for it. And um, you know, it was, it was just such a big weekend. And when we were, you know, when I worked for the track, that was everything kind of revolved around that weekend. You know, all the work we did, all the advanced tickets and everything like that. Not that the regular season wasn't important, but 
so much build up to that. It was, it was such an event and, and we always loved it. Even though it was a, a ton of, um, it was a ton of work, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. For, for a lot of those years, uh, I lived in Hastings, Nebraska, which is about an hour and a half away. And my wife and I would, would make special arrangements and we would come to Lincoln just for that weekend. We would, and, and Trina is not that big of a race fan, but she tolerated it. But we, we spent the day and uh, the weekend in Lincoln and shopped, hit the malls, whatever we did. And then we'd go out to Eagle every night. And that was an, an event for us. And that's what I love about sprint car racing. It, it, it made an event for us to go to and, and we enjoyed the hell out of it. And uh, yeah, I just, those were the yesteryears. I wish we could get back to them, but uh, you know, uh, we got the outlaws at I 80 speedway later this mm-hmm. year. So I can't wait to get out for that one. Yeah, definitely. The world outlaws is always great. I, I wish, I wish we could go back to the days where we had the, the three day shows in June and in September with the uh, outlaws at Eagle raceway. Yeah, those were the days and just things have changed. And, you know, and as we're seeing too, with a lot of, uh, racing going on, it, you know, we're going to, I think, you know, it, it's cyclical. I think we'll, you know, we could see other great, great shows and, and great events in the future. Well, before we wrap up today's show, we have some news and notes to take care of. We had some other races out outside bef- besides the uh, the event at uh, Colorado Speedway. Uh, Brad, let's run down those feature winners. There were some races out in Florida and the ASCS Southwest region also ran. Yeah, we had a couple of winners. Uh, Tim Schaefer, the Steel City Outlaw, won a race at Southern Raceway in Milton, Florida, the USCS uh, Series. Mark Smith did Mark Smith things and won the second night. Uh, we got Justin Sanders, a California guy that went out to Central Arizona Speedway in Casa Grande, Arizona, and won the ASCS Southwest race. Uh, and then uh, Josh uh, Shipley won at Arizona Speedway there in, uh, in ASCS non-wing. So, that's a, not a lot of action this weekend, but uh, those are your winners from last weekend. Uh, Schaefer, Smith, Saunders, and Shipley. Yeah, and it also was revealed that uh, Chris Wyndham, the big cat, or big daddy, mm-hmm. not big cat, big daddy, is going to make his NASCAR Cup debut at Bristol Motor Speedway when they uh, throw it down the dirt. And uh, it looks like a beautiful NOS energy drink uh, stock car going to roll around that place. But yeah, it'd be fun to see him. Um, rumor is there's going to be another uh, dirt veteran. Uh, Tyler Courtney's name's getting bandied about. And I'd also like kind of see some of those guys came up from the dirt. Let's see if uh, Christopher Bell can knock out another win out there. Yeah, it was what cool to see uh, C. Bell win, win uh, last week. On the road course. On the road course at Daytona. For sure. For sure. And even even our boy Kyle Larson was in the, was in the hunt, and he was making moves to win that race So before he uh, crashed. I like that he was making moves. He was trying anyway. Yeah, he's had solid finishes. I mean, it's obviously uh, showing that he has a talent, and now that he's in some top end gear, he's gonna he's gonna win a couple races this year. I think for sure. You know, I think uh, before we, um, you know, one thing we wanted to do tonight, we're talking about you know some great you know the uh, hotline that we had going on. We got a great message from um, feedback this week, and. Uh, I'll, I'll just say Robin from the UK. Uh, so yes, we are worldwide. Uh, call us, you know, international, internationally known. Yeah, that's On right. World, yeah, we'll take the title world famous. Okay, Toby Chapman. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we want to thank Robin uh, from England. He sh- sent us a shout out. Said he uh, 
can't wait to get back into the States and check out sprint car racing. They don't have uh, as much over there. They do have dirt track racing over there, but uh, the sprint cars stop. They have kind of midgets, which are more like uh, super modified dirt and asphalt racing. You know, Great Britain, Ireland, Holland uh, loves to listen to us while he uh, takes his dog out for a walk and, and loves hearing our uh, conversation and just, uh, you know, chit chat about these issues. So hopefully maybe some of these uh, world outlaw stories entertained him. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Robin, thanks for listening. And uh, uh, Brad, this one's for you. James Rowan mentioned uh, 305's rule. He's drunk right now. <laughs> I hope not because he's working right now. So uh, before we go, before we go, uh, I got a special guest in here. Uh, my daughter snuck in and she wants to uh, let the world know who her favorite race car drivers are. Hi. Right. Who do you got? Who's your favorite, Who's your favorite drivers? drivers? Trey and Brady Bacon. Uh, the Baconator. That's not a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Trey yeah, Gropp. Yeah, Trey Gropp is always uh, friendly. She uh, She's actually Miss Mini E two years ago, and Trey was the uh, one that walked her down the, the aisle down there and uh, got her photos taken and uh, got a crown and all that sort of stuff. So uh, that was Jordan. Now she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> a minute of fame. That's right. She, she's been wanting to join the podcast for a while, and she's like, Dad, I want to join in. So uh, I figured I'd let her jump in and uh, let everybody know who favorite drivers are. For sure. That's awesome. All right, guys. All right, race fans. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for jumping on, and uh, thanks for uh, checking out this episode, and we will catch everybody on the flip side.